This is FS Uncovered, podcast of M&M Service Company, serving our customers' needs by providing excellent products, services, and innovative solutions. I'm Kristen Marquis, Marketing Assistant with M&M Service Company. Today I have with me Tony Haber, our Energy Marketing Manager, and Brian Fairful, our Agronomy Marketing Manager. So today we are just going to talk about what's going on uh, right now. We're at the end of February. Spring is right around the corner. So we just wanted to talk about what's going on in the different markets and what uh, growers can expect in this upcoming spring. So as everyone's heard, the natural gas situation in Texas, things freezing up, prices going up. Tony, can you talk about how that may be affecting the propane and fuel markets? Yeah, Krista. So the biggest thing to think about when it comes to that what's going down in the South and how it's affecting us here in the Midwest. And I know with how we're sitting today, where we were, our temperatures are in the forties and fifties versus where we were a week in the last two weeks with it being uh, in the single digits and below freezing, that everything should automatically go back up. But with Texas, which isn't really used to those types of temperatures, it basically put a complete shutdown uh, to those refineries and to those rigs. And it's going to be a little bit, a week or two before they thaw out and get back to refining. So we'll see a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of uh, some price, uh, some price increases that we've, we've seen. It'll take a little bit, but we'll see a pullback as, uh, as those rigs come back online, as those refineries get back going. And the good thing for us is on the propane side, while the pipeline has had some struggle with moving product where it needs to go, we have stayed in constant supply. And of course, with the warmer temperatures, that's helped things out. What sparked it, knowing that it wasn't the just the cold temperatures for the last week, but, but what else kind of sparked the, the major shortage in, in natural gas? The, the, the biggest thing is the extreme cold temperatures that we saw not just for the the longevity, but for the just the wide distance that we that you saw. When you see that, when you go from the basically the entire southwest, the entire south to the north, all experiencing experiencing those extreme cold temperatures all at the same time for the longevity that it was, the system doesn't have. Uh, the capacity to support all of that once there really wasn't a shortage of product it's a short of a shortage of getting the product where it needs to go you know the, the pipeline whether it's propane natural gas fuel they can only move product so quickly and so anytime you have that much u- usage in need it just it's going to take time i mean there's been experiences the last decade with propane, while there hasn't been shortages, to go back to two, uh, the fall of 19, and there was product, and but it's just that pipeline has so many points and so many stops to make before it can move that product. Uh, it just takes a lot of time. When it when you were when we're talking, that increased demand for that long of time. If you've got zero degree temperatures through that, let's say through that that ter- that range of of where we saw those temperatures where we saw for a couple of days, absolutely, they can be supported. But when you're talking about a couple of weeks, uh, it, it's just too much to, to, to get that everywhere that it's needed. So for our customers, we have 
plenty of storage, so shortage or anything like that is not something that we'll experience. The last three or four years, we've made an investment uh, in a lot of storage, increasing our storage capacity, <clears throat> I want to say each year. And that's helped us uh, get through these type of times, whether it be the fall of 19, uh, there was a brief period last winter, and then what we've seen this year so far uh, has helped us, you know, get get through these 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 times where we where we do see product availability, product shortages at some of the terminals at with some of the lines. But yeah, we've our investment is, has really helped us to to make sure that our customers are taken care of. So Brian, on to the agronomy side of things. What changes are we seeing in the fertilizer markets right now and leading up to spring? Yeah, Krista, it's just been a, a pretty wild ride for the past couple months. We've seen a, a very hefty increase in fer fertility prices, mainly mainly due to the uh, uh, huge demand that we experienced here this past fall. We, I think everybody in the ag, ag world experienced a great fall. A good two and a half months of operation time to to get a lot of uh, fertility applications done, tillage work done, dirt work done, etc. So, although that was all great uh, that we could get that all accomplished here this past fall, it did put some constraints on the uh, supply world when it comes to to dry fertilizer needs, phosphates. Uh, potash got uh, fairly tight. Um, once we got into the latter half of November, first part of December. And that's just continued on here for the past two months. As uh, demand, we're coming off a big demand fall year. And then obviously we've got to get resupplied to get into spring season. And we've had constraints after constraints uh, early. It was uh, getting product in. You know, the um, we're dealing in the phosphate world, we're dealing with the the import uh, duties that are being um, put on some of our major importers or so happening to source uh, phosphate products from, from different countries, uh, non-normal countries that we traditionally bring an abundance amount of uh, product into the United States to be used. Potash side, you know, it's, it's just a lack of getting a lot of that product in. I don't think we're seeing many or any big increases to imports. I think they're all pretty well will be the same. It's just we had such a big demand and trying to get that resupply. Obviously commodity prices has helped the farm world, but we all know that, uh, or I'd be wrong to say that, that they're not influencing the higher commodity prices aren't influencing the green or the uh, fertility markets as well as we know those guys are trying to uh, capture some, some additional money as well but but overall i think you know as we sit today we're getting resupplied it is slow um, it will be slow continuing through probably the next two months we could have some constraints if spring season starts to get get kicked off around the midwest here um, middle of march or so maybe the end of march and if we got to run uh, pretty heavily, I, I could see some major constraints still still happening on product supply if we do go early. So, you know, those are the, the, the key things in phosphate and potash. Uh, the nitrogen world, uh, 
I'll, I'll step back and say again that uh, pretty heavily influenced on the commodity markets today. Although we've seen some pretty dramatic spikes in pricing, you know, the cost to the grower is is still somewhat minimal. Um, when you look at it on a rate per acre basis, you know, it's it's virtually offset by the increased commodity price. But at the same time, we got to look at forward pricing and the, the futures market and the, uh, the, the grain market is uh, what we got to price fertilizer off of, not the nearby market. So I don't see any big constraints when it comes to the nitrogen side. I think we're all sitting pretty good. Most of the equipment in the countryside is pretty well filled up or be, becoming filled up today. So I don't, I don't see a big issue there on the nitrogen side with urea, UAN, and hydrous ammonia. So I would just strongly strongly encourage that growers that are or that do have spring fertilizer to go or to be put on applied to the fields that uh, I would encourage you to get with your crop specialist and, and get field by field rates products, etc. put towards those fields, get a plan in place, a strategy in place. So that way, and take advantage of the uh, the pricing now versus the pricing um, in a month or two, because it, it will be significantly higher than, than pricing today. So I would just strongly encourage everybody to do so if you haven't already. So the 2020 MyField research trials were released a couple weeks ago which everyone can find on our website, mmservice.com, under products and services, and then the agronomy tab. Uh, there's a spot called FS My Field, so you're able to see all of those results there. But Brian, with those trials uh, information released, what can we learn from, from what they've found with those? Yeah, so Krista, that, that is a great um, book put together by the, the folks up at Growmark, uh, and and it encompasses background. It encompasses uh, every member company trial that that uh, um, was submitted into the MyField portal. Uh, and and what MyField is is it's a, a systems based approach um, to agronomic trial information, utilizing member companies, crop specialists, farmers in a field scale basis, not necessarily a research farm basis it's it's more on a uh, field-wide scale so larger block trials that, that include more variability um, but getting the, the growers perspective and growers wants and needs to to try to obviously grow and expand on on that or on his operation but this data provides us with more it, I guess it provides us with more meaningful data when it's on a full farm-wide scale mm -hmm or field wide scale. And then all also, you know, stretching from from Iowa to Illinois, North, Central, South, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, there's some trials of Missouri, you know, stretching a, a very large geography, um, bringing all those trials together to create a good book and good information, but, but being able to also hone down and more of a regionalized aspect um, to see how these agronomic practices and trials performed in, in your specific region is, is very important as well. So, so lots of information there. Yeah, and it encompasses, you know, corn, soybeans, um, nitrogen trials, uh, high yield system trials, 
fungicide trials, you know, a lot of your basics, but then also incorporates some, some value added trials with biologicals, biostimulants, um, you know, a lot of the buzzwords um, around stewardship, sustainability, you know, conservation practices that, you know, ultimately every farmer needs to be participating in um, because we've got to ensure that the things that we're doing today are sustainable for for years and years um, to come in agriculture because if we're not, um, you know, the finger's going to be pressed down from, from above telling us <laughs> and our growers what we will be doing and how we will be doing that. So we don't want that to happen. So this is a great tool for our crop specialists and farmers to, to participate in and, and, and learn from as well. Again, all that, the My Field Research Trials can be found on our website. It's a PDF that's downloaded um, mmservice.com under products and services in the agronomy tab. Brian, is there any other information you want to add? Um, any crop protection updates? Uh, I'll say on the crop protection side that uh, there are a few key active ingredient um, shortages or issues uh, coming from China. Um, they get shipped in, you know, those big old cargo containers on those cargo ships. They get shipped into the West Coast and get put on rail or truck or whatever and, and get shipped to, um, you know, our basic manufacturers production facilities to make, take glyphosate in it, in instance, it's the raw inert ingredients coming from China so they can bring it into the production facility to make glyphosate. Well, we just need to be cognizant on some of those key AIs that there are, um, and there are shortages, but as we've experienced over the past few years with logistics, um, it's becoming more and more difficult. Uh, so, so some of those times in which you could get bulk loads of products and, and get can get products very fast. If we get into a big heavy run this spring, you could maybe see somewhat of a shortage in some key products. Glyphosate is one I bring up just because we've seen a steady increase because of lack of inert ingredients, active ingredient coming into the mainland U.S. on the West Coast, getting put in production facilities, and ultimately the big demand that we have with glyphosate. It's still a very widely used product and it's still very effective, but uh, we've seen a steady increase, price increase because of the situation uh, over the past month. So that's something to be cognizant of, but but really all the other products or product, product segments, I think we're probably going to be okay with. I, I do believe with the approval of the Extend Flex that Glufosinate or Liberty could get tight. Uh, I, I do believe that there will be a very, let's just say, I think BASF probably made a good move in purchasing that, that molecule and that, uh, that product or that active ingredient, because I, I think it will be very widely used in, in 2021 here with that trade package and extend flex. So that's something to watch out for. Those are probably my two biggest watch outs. Okay. Well, thanks for the updates. Tony, do you have anything else you want to add? There's a couple things I, I want to briefly mention. Uh, one, we have our winter oil sale going on right now. That concludes at the end of March. Uh, we've got grease, lubricants, uh, bulk amp package, as well as antifreeze, all on special. Uh, we are we should see a price increase coming in, coming in April. Uh, pricing of that product, if you follow the crude market, we've seen an increase 
over the last few months, and we, we are getting a, an increase on base oils, which is going to uh, push oil prices up a little bit. So on those products, now now would be a great time to take advantage of that before pricing does go up in April. But like I said, that, that does conclude at the end of March, so plenty of time to, to take advantage of those prices. And I want to mention briefly, too, uh, we've got a new site for our fast stop customers that use our cards, myfuelcard.com. It's a good place where you can track usage, you can track uh, some of our programs, you can track, uh, I think you can, you know, reporting by breakdown by vehicle. Uh, it's a nice little tool. We'll have more information that we'll push out uh, to our customers, but I just want to briefly mention that it's a, it's a site that's just gone recently live and, and it's got a lot of good information. So get with your energy specialist uh, about that oil sale. And if you have any questions on the myfuelcard.com website, uh, it's called the main office here, and we'll be able to help you out with that. So thank you guys for joining me today and giving uh, us the updates for spring. Hopefully be here sooner than later. I am ready for the warmer temperatures. It'll be 50 tomorrow. We'll see 50s this week. Now, before you sign it off, Krista, uh, last last time we were together, we did, we we talked about our Mount Rushmore uh, breakfast cereal mascots. I do want to keep that thing going, and I do have another Mount Rushmore question. It isn't about uh, breakfast cereal mascots, although I think feel like we could extend that conversation for hours and hours. It's probably the listening listening audience delight would be my guess. No, this time I wanted to ask, you know, with COVID this past year, you know, a lot of people were, were grounded and a lot of people were able to go out and just kind of want to hear what are your Mount Rushmore vacation destinations, either, you know, past trips that you've gone to or future hopeful destinations uh, you'd like to, you'd like to uh, go to in the future. Brian, you start. Well, since I'm a, Big vacationer, obviously a summer vacation with uh, with the family, probably just to the Ozarks or something like that. Latter half of the summer, probably might be my summer vacation if we make it. Be the most friendly with a one year old. Uh, I mean, maybe this coming winter to go to uh, the Caribbean somewhere to uh, live the high life on the beach for a few days and sip on some uh, beverages. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the sun's rays um, but I think a main destination for me coming up this winter will be uh, on the ski slope somewhere uh, any particular slope or just 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 a mountain in general uh, it'll it'll either be Jackson Hole or Steamboat uh, Springs so beyond that I'm not going to get too crazy uh Man, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really have any... Uh, I guess I will say there is one thing. I want to go to Alaska. That's on my list. I'd really like to go to Alaska to shoot a moose or a bear to go hunting, but I would like to experience a nice family vacation um, in Alaska without the kids, just the wife and I. I think we'd just make it. Very cool. Yeah. No Disney in my plans. <laughs> I like it. No Disney. Krista, how about you? Uh, 
Well, I will be on a beach here in just over a month in Florida. Whoa. So looking News forward, to us. Looking forward. It's on the calendar. Looking forward to that. We're at Panama City Beach. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that. Um, we have also talked about my husband's family taking an Alaska trip. Hopefully that's on the schedule for the next couple of years. I think it would be neat to go out to California and see the giant redwoods. Yeah. Um, so pretty. I've been to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago. I would love to go back there. There you go. Well, that's very cool. <laughs> What's your Mount Rushmore vacations here? Mount Rushmore vacations? Got to put Colorado on the list. Uh, been there multiple times. Always had a great time, no matter if it's uh, being in the mountain or hiking or just snow skiing. Just doing doing anything. That's fine. Uh, snow skiing. Give it a whirl. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> no, did we not have a good experience? Uh, we had we had experience, so. It was not a that's, good that's 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 one. I've never been since we can so. yeah, that's a that's a long he had neither. <laughs> he so, thought we were going to a grease slope. I wonder who I wonder where I got that idea from. So that's one. Uh number two, I love uh anywhere in the Great Lakes, whether it's uh up there like in the summertime up in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Uh that's to me, just being on a boat for uh, kayak, do some you know fish hike, you know just kind of relax. That's my my place. And then I put up to uh, Germany is great destination to go. I want to go back. That and Austria, just countryside, just beautiful. Those would be my my spots. Very cool. Austria. Underrated uh, countryside. Yeah? Yep. I believe that. Yep. Beautiful. Well, thanks again, guys, for joining me today for our little roundtable session. This has been FS Uncovered, the podcast of Eminem Service Company. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or your supported podcast app.